Welcome to Heroic Hearts Podcast, where we will explore the heroic journeys of St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese of Lisieux to heal, inspire, and re-enchant our own hearts. Well, hello, Heroic Hearts. This is Amy Chase, and I'm back again with Walter Emerson for our final episode on the life of St. Therese. Wow, what a journey. Welcome, everybody. It's great to be here. It sure is. And uh, Walter, we'll, um, we'll get into Therese's story here in, in just a few minutes, but it, this is such a great opportunity for us to look back over this journey together um, with our listeners and just in, just enjoy the, the process that we've been through, the experience of learning and living along with the saints. Yeah, we, you know, this, this whole thing started, so it's been such a joy. Uh, it really began with this sort of combined uh, sisterhood, the combined hearts of St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese. So it was very intentional that we, it wasn't serendipitous or by chance that we happened to do Joan of Arc and then happened to do Therese. And, you know, that there's a, a, a clear sort of, of, of sisterhood, you know, between them and such a, re- a relationship. And, you know, even Therese even considered herself to be a, a sister with uh, St. Joan of Arc. And that was one of her, she considered the knowledge of St. Joan of Arc as one of her greatest graces. So there's a, there's a, there's such a, uh, a union of hearts between the two. And, you know, I think we, we've always seen it as a unique, um, sort of a splendid, unique kind of spirituality. It's not it's not different or something off. It's just, there's something special about that spirituality between the two. And so it was very deliberate that we set out. Of course, then, you know, maybe we had to figure out, do we talk about both of them in every episode or do we talk about one? So we, we kind of decided that, you know, let's talk about Joan because that's a story unto itself. A lot of people don't know the history. They don't really know who she is. And then let's talk about Therese. So, you know, our listeners may have noted we didn't always talk about both of them at the same time, but this was the path we, ch- we chose. So it, yes. was, it was good. It, it was good. And what I've enjoyed most is just that with this union of hearts, as you like to call it, we've been invited into that, into that community yeah. of of love and service and well that that's what happened to to me and i don't think i ever explicitly stated it in any of our any of our podcast but you know i i i have talked about being uh, devoted to Therese and her being so formative from the beginning of my uh, of my spirituality but it was it was really this this notion of i think everybody everybody has seen the pictures of Therese and she's dressed up like Joan of Arc and and so you kind of get a little bit into that because she wrote these pious recreations for the community and she wrote plays and there was a, you know, a book with her poetry and her plays and she wrote poems and plays about Joan of Arc and told the story. And it was, it was really through that, that it all kind of ignited to me. And I could, I think particularly when I was uh, reading her poetry and her plays and I felt like I was here I was sort of getting the story of Joan of Arc through Therese's voice. And that notion of uh, hearing Joan's story through Therese's voice led me into this, this sort of contemplative image of sort of a union of hearts, which fits very well with what we know Therese and other people have also 
seen and, and witnessed. Absolutely. Well, Walter, perhaps for uh, the final time for a little while, do you have an enchanting moment to share with us? Well, I would say that, um, you know, the enchanting moment and, and not to sound sort of, uh, I guess, banal or whatever, but the enchanting moment for me has been really contemplating you know, the, you know, what we've done in these, these two seasons. So I don't want to sound sort of boring or anything, but it really has been, uh, this has been such a, it's, it's been fun. It's been personally inspiring for me. It has been, you know, informative. Uh, uh, it's, it's been formative. It's been a lot of different things uh, for me. And I think what it got me thinking about was that, you know, spirituality is not something that we can just live in our head all the time. You know, that that growing in our spiritual life, and I'm speaking for me, but I think it relates really, I think it's probably follows a general law of spirituality that you really kind of have to engage your whole self into it. It's it's really about your whole, you know, being and how you orient your life and even to your physical activities and the way that you do things. And by doing a podcast like this, it's just been a way to uh, relive, you know, go back to the story of Joan, talk about the story of Joan, talk about the relationship then with Therese and talk about Therese, recall these events from my life. And that it's just, it's been a, uh, not just some mental thing. It's, it's really been it's you and I putting the time in, you know, uh, to, to, to do these things and physically being present to do them. It's that whole thing. And that's why we, we said in the beginning, and we hope that uh, our listeners have been able to do, is to journal. That's another big piece of jour- journaling. is about physically, you know, doing something and, and, and not just sitting in the chair all the time and looking at the wall with pretty thoughts, but actually taking some sort of action step. And that's what this has been for me, has been a, a, an action, a, a true action in spirituality. And so it's, it's, it's been more than just having some fun and getting together and, and, you know, it has been fun and getting together, (laughs) but it's been more than that. It's really been a spiritual type thing. Yeah. You know, I think for me, it's been something similar in that I've through this process of reading, you know, getting to know these saints, doing the preparatory work for our podcast, um, writing out notes, I've discovered how much. I love this kind of activity, this activity of, of learning, um, of, of, of conforming my mind to a higher knowledge and then um, in, like digesting it through the process of contemplation and then producing something to share with others. Yeah. Well, that I think just us being able then to share it seems like it's kind of a concentric circle because there there is the aspect of contemplative where we do just sort of you know sit there but then there's the activity that we take but what i've enjoyed is that sometimes i i i i can get a lot out of getting beyond just my own activity and then you have to have it sort of intersubjective type of uh, communications with people like you and i have when we do the podcast and then other people that want to comment on it, and you start getting this, this, the, these uh, relationships, and you start building uh, on that. So I think that to me, that's all part of it, of growing spiritually, intellectually. And then let's face it, I'm not getting a lot of that out in the world. 
I'm not picking up a lot of that when I just go out in the secular world. So I think we do have to form, we have to, we have to work at finding our own ways of building this type of community and intersubjectivity. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess then I would say that my, my enchantment uh, has been in discovering this has discovering this kind of activity as part of my vocation. And, and we're going to talk today about Therese's vocation uh, and her famous saying, my vocation is, is love. Um, but before we get to that, let's go ahead and open with our prayer, if you would. Okay. <laughs> well, this is the prayer of the heroic hearts in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O sacred heart of Jesus, form in us missionary hearts, hearts that burn to spread your faith, heroic hearts of the cross, wanting always and everywhere to bear witness to you. Make us ready to suffer to show our love. And like our sisters, St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese, grant us the desire to conquer for you all the hearts of the universe. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Okay, so as we as we approach the end of Heather King's book, Short of Flame, A Year with St. Therese of Lisieux, um, and the end of Teresa's life in this narrative, we've we have two themes that we're looking at. So again, the the months are November and December. The chapters are ten. I'm sorry, eleven and twelve. And so this the the theme for November is on letting our flame burn hot. And the idea here is in um, well in Teresa's life in discovering that her vocation is love. Uh, she pours all of herself into that, including, as we'll see in the next chapter, her, her process of suffering and dying. I think too, it's interesting, Amy, to think about how she came to that vocation. Um, and what I mean by that is if you think about what we talked in the last podcast, we, we introduced, uh, if you remember last time, the, the listeners, uh, moving into a, a real depth of Therese that um, you know, in the beginning, there was a lot of building relationship with Therese, uh, how we could relate to her, that she's not someone that's uh, unrelatable. And so we, we, we talked about that. But in the last episode, we started talking about what really kind of separates her. And it's really defined in that Catholic uh, spirituality. We talked about redemptive uh, suffering. And this really moves further to its necessary a conclusion, and that is her deep uh, physical suffering, or her illness. But but even more importantly, is her her spiritual suffering that that went with it. And and uh, there's the uh, Heather talks about. There's a quote in here that Heather uh, mentions. It says, you know, when Therese offered herself you know, to love and, and she was doing everything right and offered herself to ultimately love. She said, but what followed is so often happens in the spiritual life was not what Therese expected. What followed was not a blazing flame, but the coldest, bleakest ashes. Almost immediately thereafter, she was plunged into frightful spiritual aridity of an entirely different order and almost infinitely worse than anything that had come before. And th that sounds pretty stark. Uh, that sounds pretty stark. And, you, you know, the, the listener go, wait a minute, is that, is that, that can't be the end. <laughs> you led us all the way down this trail to some sort of cold, uh, dark end. But no, what she's experiencing, and I'm, I know a lot of our listeners are familiar with it, is she's experiencing that necessary dark night of the soul that 
think about what we've been, you know, that redemptive suffering we've been talking about. She's completely united with the Christ on the cross. She's completely united with the crucified Christ who suffered, you know, that, that experience uh, himself. And that is really in her mind that that is the union of, of love is when you can join with the other person, when you can join with Christ in his deepest agony, then, then you really have joined in union with Christ. Indeed. And just as a little bit of context for our listeners, um, most will probably know that at this time she's been diagnosed with tuberculosis or consumption as they called it back then, but a a terrible wasting disease. Uh, And she'll, um, she'll begin to cough up, you know, cough up copious amounts of blood and her body will waste away. And so it's really like, this is truly an agony. So our Lord, of course, um, was in great agony on the cross. And um, even before that, his emotional agony in the garden, but she's going to go through something like that. Only it's going to be very protracted. It's going to go over the course of months. Um, Maybe even yeah, more than a year. I, I get a little lost on the timeline, but it, it's a it's a crazy yeah. She she suffers for a for a, you know months and a, a fairly lengthy period of time. But the the but the I think what I mentioned when I said I find this this to be very interesting in terms of how she got there is let's come up from that dark suffering for just a, a minute uh, where she is because I find it interesting that what happened as she plunged into that darkness is we hear her finally cry out uh, then, and this is Therese, then in the excess of my delirious joy, I cried out, oh, Jesus, my love, I have finally found my vocation. My vocation is love. Now, what I, I think is so fascinating is notice not just the, the, the darkness she was plunged into, which was a union with Christ in his agony on the cross, but what came out of it was a complete supernatural flowering of her vocation. It's as though she's been purified. So she's been purified, mind, body, and soul. And from that, now she can she can really take hold of that vocation that was appointed yes. her, you know, from from all time. Yes, yes. And it's and it's not something we can just sit around and just think about it really hard and and have it sort of come out of our of our own power. Just like I'm just going to really think about this love and I'm just going to make it happen. And and those are all great that we have goodwill when we do that. But th- this is the purifying act of grace that, that's beyond anything that we can do. That can only come through Christ. That that comes from God. The grace to to help us. And what I see in that sort of pl- that you know play of events is that she she really went through the necessary suffering you know to reach that point of supernatural purification in which now i i think this is where we see her um receiving from christ that grace which she will uh further after her death because she said you know after she dies she said i, I want to spend my time in heaven doing good on earth and she has. I mean, yes, she she's she's went from. We talked about her obscurity. We talked about how no one knew who she was. She died, and just not too many people went to her. Nobody really knew who she was, and yet now she plays a huge role in the lives of Catholics all over the the world. And you know, I think Amy, among that you, Catholics, you know, among Catholics, and I I think um, I, I think this is where we see uh, 
this sort of supernatural grace and vocation coming that that you know christ you know is is i'm empowering her to do that and so i think it's really beautiful i i think in my mind we, we kind of miss that we can we can easily look at her suffering and go oh no um you know is that i was hoping that if i had a deep spiritual life i would be just you know happy and my problems would start to go away you know and heather king talks about that too is that's that's our natural inclination is that okay i've you know, I've straightened out my life um, and everything should go well. But what we see in Therese that's just so important is that's not the way it went. Why didn't it? So what's wrong with spirituality if you become, you know, you start doing the right things and everything goes wrong? What, what, what's up with that kind of spirituality? And now we're seeing it because what we're seeing is, is through that darkness on the other side is this supernatural purification. It's what we're looking for. What, what it's everything we're looking for that we think if life just goes our way and is comfortable all the time that we can just sit and kind of find it ourselves. And that's, that's not the case. And, you know, I can, I can speak and I know Heather, Heather talks about her own life, but as I went through my life struggles and found myself, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about it and I was in the corporate world and, you know, I really wasn't the best example uh, of, of, of anything really in, in terms of the spiritual world. And I really needed to kind of quote unquote, get my act together, so to speak. And I, I went through the same thing because, uh, through the help and intercession of Therese and then through St. Joan, when I had a, a very, you know, sort of great moment with St. St. Joan of Arc. And, and I received this inspiration to get my act together and to be more, uh, uh, co uh, consistent in my faith and the Catholic faith and mass and the sacraments. And I, I had that feeling too, Amy was, well, now, you know, things didn't go well before because I was, I wasn't doing everything right. I was kind of messed up and didn't have the right ideas, but you know what? Now I've got all the right ideas and now, and you know, I noticed that life didn't go well all the time. In fact, it often took a nosedive. Hey, wait, what's that? I'm doing things, I'm doing things, quote unquote, right now. And I think that's a very natural thing. Heather talks about that in her book as well. Yeah, but and, there's, there is, though, a paradoxical experience of grace, I think, because that, that is very true. It, we've probably all been there. We're, we're, really, we're, we're really trying now to live, live for Christ and live our life in accordance with his will. And it seems that his will just means for us to suffer more. But what we find is that, um, as he promised, um, you know, that the, that grace would abound in those situations in our lives. And somehow we get through it and we're often, maybe always better on the other end for that. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I bet I'm not the only one, but I've had those moments where you, you have your morning coffee and you're enjoying and you, you have this uplifting or as, as uh, Josie and I'll joke, sometimes you have that levitating moment. You know, you're really, you've hit that super, that uber spiritual point. Yeah, you're so holy. <laughs> right. Yes. You've attained a, a level of holiness unknown to anyone in mankind. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, you have those, you have those great mornings, right? And you just feel totally connected with God and, and everything's going well only to, you know, within five minutes, receive a phone call. That's just devastating. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I've had that, I've had that happen where I'm just, 
sitting around thinking, boy, you know, life, it is kind of going well. And, and I don't want to brag or anything, but I think my spiritual life's going pretty well, which tells you my, it probably isn't if I'm saying that, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there really feeling good about it and have received like a phone call where, oh my gosh, I, I mean, there's an emergency, a very negative experience, and I've got to jump into the middle of it and life just went kaput. Yeah. Which and, is not unlike, uh, anybody out there who is a business owner and I'm just speaking from experience and my my husband would tell you like, we get one of those phone calls every single day. So, uh, you do just learn, you learn to to look to God to get you through those events. Well, and it's, and, and I think there, again, there's sort of a deeper spirituality in that, in that it's not just that we are going to experience and God was sort of absent, but now that we experience God will help us, you know, kind of a thing, but that in some mysterious, mystical, mysterious way, we are really going through things that we need to go through. And that, that does not resonate with us. It does not, uh, it does not usually meet our approval. Uh, it is what we call against our will. And Therese talked a lot about that, that her one of her main practices was to break her will. You mentioned it uh, in the last episode or two, Amy, you talked about her taking the the picture instead of the glorious, beautiful picture of water in her room. She would take the the not so nice uh, picture and and she would do things to not not to try to show off her spirituality, but to break her will. Or her her attachments, her attachments, so that because because knowing that uh, we have to go through things for our own good that will be against our uh, uh, there'll be removing of attachments or quote unquote against our will uh, something that we don't really want and and so that those are things that we have to go through and it's very difficult when we sit back and say I think it's even a deeper level when we say it's it's not just that oh no this happened and. God will comfort me, which, you know, which he, he will, but to sit back and say, no, actually God allowed this to happen because this is a purification that I need to, that I need to go through if I'm going to achieve what Therese achieved. I really like the anecdote that's told of her in this chapter when she's sitting with one of her sisters um, and the sister says, oh, when I think of how much I have to acquire meaning in the spiritual life, and Therese says, just, you know, matter of factly, or rather to lose what you have to lose. Um, and, and we all do. It's, it's not that we need to always acquire these virtues. Well, we do. But perhaps the way to acquiring those virtues is to lose our, our attachments and, and our vices uh, to these other things. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very common thing and when you read spiritual writers uh, uh you know in in the Catholic vein the idea and you mentioned it last time of having to be stripped down but of lo- of losing everything and 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 you have to remember too that uh Therese is a Carmelite so she's coming out of the Carmelite spirituality and we haven't talked a lot about that and some of our listeners will know others may not be as familiar but the you know the uh, Carmelite order and with the great mystics and doctors of the church, St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross from the 16th century that reformed the Carmelite order and their mysticism and their writings are among, you know, the most recognized around the world, even, even outside of Catholicism. 
And they talk a lot about that. And St. John of the Cross talks a lot about that. You know, he kind of talks about, you know, that, that nada in Spanish, the nothing. And uh, in order to attain that union with God, that pure union with God that we all seek. And I think that's what Therese is demonstrating. So she comes out of that, that tradition. She's in that tradition. So she's very familiar with that spirituality. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's start moving towards the, the pinnacle or, or the climax of this story. Um, because in the next chapter, which is the final chapter, we get, we get to walk with, or, or rather accompany Therese in those, those final, um, weeks of her life. And we, we get to hear, we get to hear, um, what she was thinking and experiencing during that time. And, and part of, part of the reason why we know so much about her, her death experience is that her sister, one of her sisters kept a, um, a notepad and recorded all of the things that she said at the end of her life. And this is called, um, I think it's called uh, the final conversation, something like that. Yeah. So her sister was recording uh, in, and, you know, Heather said, it, if this were modern times, she'd probably have a, a, a video recorder or <laughs> a video, or, cam, you know, yeah. video cam or an iPhone or something to try to pick it up. But she was trying to do the same thing, which uh, in the, in the, without that technology, was she was trying to uh, capture as much of Therese at the end of her life as she could. And so she, you know, asked a lot of questions. And so Heather does a sort of a litany. I won't read them all, but she does a litany of questions in here that her sister was asking her, would you, you prefer to die rather than live? Then you prefer dying to living? Well, how are you content? That does the, does what you will become disturb you? She's asking her all these questions. And then Heather. Heather is dying, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Heather says Therese must have been a saint to not have snapped at her at her sister. Can you imagine being that sick and you're just getting these annoying questions that are, I are, know. are, are coming at you. And, uh, so, but we, but those uh, final conversations are, are an important uh, treasury for us of, of what, uh, of what Therese had. And she, um, you know, Heather, Heather mentions, there's a quote in here that I think is very poignant. You know, she, this is from Heather. She says, seldom have we felt so keenly the loneliness of the saint of Christ in the garden of Gethsemane of the rest of us who trudge the spiritual path in obscurity, fatigue, and pain. We want people to be kind to us and we're called to be kind to them. We want to be cared for and we're called to sacrifice. We want prosperity, but real life looks more like Good Friday. And again, I think the, what's profound, and she was seeing this in Therese enduring these questions, was that Therese was, she wasn't looking to be cared for. She was looking to care for others. And, you know, I know she, she fussed about how they were fussing about her. And she didn't want, want that to happen because she was, she was about, you know, that outward love for people. Now there has to be supernatural strength in that because when I'm sick, it's, it's, it's all about me. You can just ask Josie. (laughs) It's all about me. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't, it's very, I don't know about you, but it's extremely difficult to be charitable when you're sick. Oh gosh. I just, you know, last year when I had COVID, which was an awful experience, but 
I thought like at the outset, I thought, oh, well, here's an opportunity to offer up all my suffering. Did I do that? No, not, <laughs> not by any stretch of the imagination. I sat in my bed or on the couch feeling completely miserable and sorry for myself and then like <laughs> watching Disney Channel. <laughs> I, I was not an example uh, of, of that, that charity and that self-sacrifice. Well, you know? yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I know, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's amazing. Josie's so, she is so charitable and, you know, she's the quintessential person who can be sick, but make me dinner at the same time. Oh, of I mean, she can, yeah. or she can do all, she can do all, you know, she does those things out of the own yeah. goodness of her, of her heart, not because I expect them, but she does them out of the goodness of her heart. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because when I get sick, uh, it's, I'm down, I can't do anything. It's, you know, can, can I don't want to bother you, but could you please bring me this thing over? over here. And it's, it's, you know, I think a lot of us are that way. And it's a natural way, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because I'm looking at Therese when she's really suffering, I'm talking about tuberculosis suffering, not Walter has a little fever type of suffering. And, you know, she's having to endure all this, you know, they're, they're putting blankets on her when she's already hot, but they're putting more blankets yeah. on her. She doesn't want them to fuss, but they fuss over her. Her sister's sitting there just pounding her with questions yeah. that she doesn't, it's like, how do I, she's on the verge of, of, of dying. And so it does take, so she exhibited yeah. that charity. Yeah. She had that charity, but I just think it's profound that when we talk about that dark night, you know, going back to that dark night and that, and people say, oh no, did it really? She went through this gray dark. Oh my, that sounds like not something I want. No, you have to remember it was, it's the resurrection at the end. Right. And, and, and so I think I, I want to make the point to our listeners that this is why we've chosen to include St. Teresa's story in our heroic hearts um, project, because the, um, although we haven't really talked about the hero's journey in this season, like we did last season um, with St. Joan of Arc, it's, it's her um, heroic, well, her, her heroic saintliness and love and her ability to suffer and go through a death, like a literal death, but before that sort of the spiritual death to go through that death and resurrection, which makes her life heroic. That is the, that is where the hero's journey is leading us to it's death and resurrection. I, I see. Yeah. I, it's great. Amy. And I see for me, when I talk about the union of hearts between St. Joan and St. Therese, I see really a mirror image. Oh, for sure. You see that you see the same. So you have Joan, who's it's very public. She's out there. She's fighting battles. She's freeing. She's raising sieges. She's crowning kings. She's doing all these things. Therese is the exact opposite. She's in obscurity. She's unknown. You know, she's even the people in the even the nuns in the convent with her didn't really pay any attention to her. She was completely the opposite. And yet they both exhibited, you know, this mirror image. Uh, Therese had this just, if we could have Therese's strength of soul, we would all be in great shape. She, she, had, an, she had Joan of Arc's strength of soul. And, and, you know, Joan had that contemplative life as well. Joan's a- active life was fueled by that deep, spirituality and by that deep 
So we we really see you know both sides, and that's why to me I just to me I always envision interlocking heart heart representing you know what it is in spirituality <laughs> heart representing <laughs> yes. that sort of total person that total it's uh, the core of our of, of our personality and of yeah our- the core of our being the core of our of our of who we are and I, I kind of just see them as interlocking as mirror images of each other that create to me a an incredibly powerful image of spirituality. And I don't think it's any coincidence that both of them died gazing upon our Lord on the crucifix. Right. That's that's a, yeah, that's a a great point. And um, they both, they, they did that and they both died really with, in a way, Jesus and God on their lips, because when Joan died, she was crying, you know, Jesus. Yes. And Jesus was the last words. And I mean, it's, I guess it depends on who you read, but I've always read that she said it three times, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And so those were her last words. And what were Therese's last words when she finally died? And she, you know, she said, you know, my God, you know, I love you. I love you. And you, you you kind of sense that uh, Therese's experience at the end was sort of that uh, ultimate ecstatic sense of union with God. Uh, that she had. And then that's what I think, you know, we kind of want to emphasize with the listeners who aren't as familiar with her or with, uh, you know, Catholic spirituality is that is the ultimate goal is we, we have to, you know, Jesus said, you know, we have to follow him and the servant's not better than the master. And when you read the saints and you see that the way they saw union with God was not to just look at Jesus as somebody who can just do good things for them all the time, but somebody that they truly intimately you, uh, draw themselves in union with. And how do you do that with Christ unless you enter into his suffering? But that's not the end of the story because the end of the story, of course, is the resurrection. And it's that ultimate union, in pur- having been purified, that ultimate union with God. And isn't that what we're all after? And, you know, it, it should be. And so we, we see that with both of them. You know, we see, uh, you know, both in Joan's death and you have to go back and look at look at uh, Joan. It's just it's striking that just to refer back to Joan for a minute, it's just striking to think. See, see we look back and we know the story. Imagine you're there and you're Joan at the time when that <laughs> you're writing the story and you've been betrayed. You've been she's lost everything. I mean, Joan has literally lost everything. In fact, to be candid with you, even though it was a kangaroo court and even though it was totally invalid, and even though fortunately they came back later to say that was not a a valid, uh, you know, court that she went through, but still the experience, the experience, the experiential side, she had lost everything, including her church. I mean, yes. She didn't really lose the church because, but, but I mean, she, but again, we know the story. Uh, Oh, she's a saint and all that. So we know the story. So we look back and with, with eyes that are a little bit differently, but imagine, imagine how Joan felt burning at the stake as a result of her own, of an own church court, putting her at the stake and never yielding, praising Jesus, calling on Jesus, forgiving her persecutors. And, and asking them to forgive her for anything that she did. 
Now, 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 con- now, not contrast it, but complement that with Therese's. Uh, it's not a contrast; it's a complement with Therese's ending of her intense suffering. Where what did Heather say? She experienced the loss of everything. She experienced the loss, the cold, the gray. Instead of getting this remarkable experience of you know ascending to the heights like we all want, she experienced uh, the, really the loss of everything, just yeah, like Joan of Arc. It sounds like she. She lost, well, she lost all sense of consolation from her faith. And it sounds like she even went through that sort of experience of doubt of, you know, not, which is not to say she lost her faith, but that, but that it felt for her what it feels like for a person who has no faith. I, I think that's incredibly sense? important. Amy. No, I think it's incredibly important because uh-huh. there is that piece of, of her life where, uh, so what happened, she 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 said that she could understand why people would lose the faith. She understood how atheist felt and that kind of thing. She didn't lose her faith. Yeah. But look what happened. Through it, God gave her an experience of empathy. She could empathize. She could use so what did she do? She offered, she said, because she didn't lose her faith. Right. Only a person of faith could do what she did next, which is to say, I'm going to offer this for all those people who are losing their faith, all those atheists, all those people who don't believe. I'm going to offer this for them because I now, she, she experienced what they felt mm-hmm. while still maintaining her mm-hmm. faith. Yeah. And so th- this was, I don't see, I don't see how you can't observe the compliment between her and Joan of Arc losing her life at the end, having essentially lost in her mind. Uh, like I say, we know, we know the story, so we don't have yeah. to, but no, go back to when you didn't know the story. And so both of them suffered um, unbelievable loss and both of them were just steadfast in the faith. Yes. And, and so, and so that, intense suffering and loss at, at the time of their death then makes their makes the the resurrection if you will so much more glorious and so when we say resurrection we mean that their their stories are resurrected from the ashes and and the meaning that those stories continue to have for us today like it's so glorious these are two of the most glorious saints that we have in the church um, to look to as our models yeah I I'm, I'm I often think and this this came out of uh, some books I read by um, on the the history of Christendom, which a lot of people uh, might have read by William Carroll, the founder of the uh, Christendom College, and and so they're 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 really good hi- uh, history uh, books of the history of Christendom. But there I w- there was a comment that he made that always struck me about St. Louis's. And I'm going to mess this up. It was either his, it, it was one of his relatives, nephew or brother or cousin or it was the Duke of Anjou, and who played a big role in. Uh, you know, some of the work in, in this, in that area of, of France. And I just remember a comment that he, that he made about, uh, that person, which was that he had faith such that he would believe even if the heavens themselves collapsed to the ground, you know, that he would still be believing. And it struck me as a really neat phrase that somebody, you see somebody that has the faith that says, you know, even if the heavens fell, I would still believe. And, and I think, and I think that is how, um, definitely how St. Joan, how St. Therese were. And here's a, here's something that I, as we 
you know, conclude and, and, and come to, you know, finishing this series to think about, we all know we're going through hard times. We know there's hard times in the church. We know there's hard times in the, in the world and we get discouraged and we wonder what's going on. Um, can I still believe in the church? Can I still believe in these things? And I think a, a really strong message from both St. Joan and St. Therese and, and the Duke of Anjou too, and all the others that are out there, which is that we have faith, even if the heavens themselves collapse, we have yes. faith. Yes. So even if I look at it like whatever, whatever about whatever's going on in the church, I, I'm concerned and all that. But you know what? Joan and Therese give us examples of saying that is not going to affect my faith. Yes. And um, just like in Hebrews 619, which talks about our hope being a steadfast anchor, I'm just, uh, you know, I hold on to the heroic practice of hope that we saw both of these women um, exhibiting. Like that, that gives me hope. Uh, and yeah, if, yeah. If, if it's it's just that attitude that if if everyone in the world stops, you know, yeah, the, the, I, I'll be the one person that doesn't stop believing. Now, of course, we don't do that on our own strength. We have to have supernatural grace. We have to have the grace of God to do that, and that's what we we pray for. And the reason we uh, orient ourselves that way, the reason we uh, you know do what we're doing, and and we we read the lives of Saint Joan and Saint Therese. So it's not something we can do in our own strength. But I think that's probably a good concluding note for us is that take a look at the end of the lives of these two saints and realize that no matter what goes on in the world, our government, our church, whatever goes on, you know, should the heavens themselves collapse, I will still believe. Amen to that. <laughs> well, Walter, with that, we'll go ahead and conclude our um our journeys with St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese um, in this podcast. What's next for us? Well, we we will have some things hopefully planned for the future, uh, maybe even a future episode or I'm sorry, season, but we'll, uh, but we're going to take a little break for now to, to regroup and, um, but we'll still, yeah, we'll still so, be out so there. Amy and I are still going to be out there and we're still going to have, please subscribe to heroic-hearts.com because we're going to have some things uh, for you. So we're not, we're not done. I think Amy and I have talked about it. We felt really, I don't say prepared, but I don't know if we were prepared enough, but I think what we felt was that Joan and Therese's stories were just begging to be set, you know, spoken that we needed, it, it was compelling us to go out and do these podcasts. We have other ideas, Amy, we've talked about, we have things that are, are stirring that we believe we can do, but they need to be ready for us yeah. to, they we're not to about sure. podcasting just to force a podcast. We, we want to know when we come out that what we have to say is begging to be said. Yes. So uh, we'll, we'll come up. We'll, I'm, things are brewing. So things I'm sure they'll brewing, be coming. So stay tuned. <laughs> but for now I will close us with, uh, with our prayer from Heather King's wonderful book, um, a shirt of flame a year with Therese of Lisieux. Name the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Therese, by your generous intercession, may we too suffer in joy and peace. May we too like only whatever God does. May we too see that we are often in agony over silly things. May we too be patient with those who annoy us when we're in pain. May we too praise the trees, the birds, the flowers. 
May we too know that unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. May we too become little more and more. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Walter. And thank you to all of our listeners. Stay tuned. Stay tuned and we'll be praying for you. God bless. We'll sign off for now. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover enchantment and adventure with St. Joan and St. Therese, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us at heroic-hearts.com.